Episode number 18. Uh, first of all, as always, I just want to quickly take this opportunity to uh, give a big thank you to everybody listening right now. I really, really appreciate it. In this episode, I was lucky enough to sit down and have a chat with Seton Humphreys. So Seton is a strength and conditioning coach based in Canberra. So he owns Athlete Origin, which is a junior athlete development facility. So we talked about Seton's journey through the world of strength and conditioning so far. We discussed his approach to junior athlete development. And we also had a good little chat about the old adage of uh, does strength training stunt junior athletes growth? Uh, Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, Seton Humphreys, uh, thank you for having a chat with me this morning. That's right, mate. Pleasure to come on to the show. Thanks very much for reaching out and organizing it all. No, no worries. So your um, yeah, morning's been pretty chilled out this morning? Yeah, just had a little uh, little class, as I was saying before, like just a bit of an alumni group, guys who have come through through the program like during year 12 and then they've transitioned out of it and they've got like kind of like a, a hangover, like six months, 12 months hangover before they try and go for college ball. Um, so I just had them in this morning and then had the rest of the day off like any other good strength coach. Yeah, like we were just saying, the old split shift. Yeah. Uh, cool. So we'll pretty much dive straight into it. So what I want to start with is your journey through the world of strength and conditioning so far. So first of all, um, how and why did you uh, get into strength and conditioning? Um, I, I kind of had like a fair bit of uh, exposure to different career paths, I suppose. Like I chopped and changed a lot, like out of year 12, like I... I originally kind of finished up my high school and I was like, I'm going to go do um, like film, film like cinematography stuff. So I was making um, mountain biking films when I was like 16, 17, like following around like the national circuits and mountain for downhill and four cross and stuff. Um, so I was pretty like hell bent on going into like, you know, like adrenaline films, like motorbike, mountain bike, and just seeing where that kind of took me. And then just kind of like after school, just kind of got stuck in like suburbia life into the Hawkesbury life and um, just kind of wandered a little bit and was like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm ready to go like traveling. So, you know, just kind of sampled a, a fair few different jobs, tried the labor thing, did some time at JB, did some time. I was a lollipop man once upon a time. Um, so I've always got a soft spot whenever I see someone like flicking it and like cold weather. Um, and just kind of like had like, you know, a good two years off of just going like, where do I want to, where do I want to go? And back in the day, like I, I had like horrendous shoulders, like my shoulders used to pop out all the time. Like if I was just laying on the ground or, you know, sitting down relaxing after school, if I just had my hands over my head, like maybe my shoulders just sublax. Um, and so I went and saw a, a really good physio um, out in Penrith who used to work with the Panthers and um, he just did some real basic like rotator cuff stuff and um, nothing, nothing crazy. Just strengthened up my calf, helped out with my rhythm, gave control back to my scalp, you know? And then I think from there, I was like, this is a really, really powerful tool. Um, and, and something that's, you know, like really good, like, you know, so then from there, I was kind of like, all right, I'm going to go do physio, you know, like I kind of had that calling. Um, and then as any like, you know, like undergrad who maybe doesn't have the marks. Like I, I didn't really, I didn't even get an ATAR when I was at HS, just like going through my high school. Um, and then I just put in for like sports science, my first preference at, at um, WSU or UWS as it was back then. And then got into that and I was like, oh, I'm going to take like, you know, a year I'll smash out the grades and then I'll transfer across to physio. And then about like a year into it or like the second semester, I was like, you know what, I, I actually really enjoy this. I, I really enjoy the physiology side of it. I enjoy the biomechanics side of it. I enjoy the training side of it rather than being the, the clinical practitioner who had to be, you know, potentially working with your, your older population or, you know, the, the guys who are a little bit more disadvantaged in some ways. And, and for me, I was like, I, I want to be there to help the kids or help people who are in a similar situation to me, who I can kind of push them through, um, you know, the kind of the tipping point of, of their sporting endeavors or, you know, help them through that injury that would have seen them being a lifelong participant in sport or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I suppose from there, like I, I just kind of kept on plowing away through uni um, and then came up to the end of 
you know, my third year and I kind of sat down with like one of my really close mates, uh, Alex Cortez, and he was working, he just did his internship at the Waratahs that year, like post-grad and was doing a, a dual time honours project as well at it from CSU. And I was kind of like, you know what, like, I don't really know where I want to go. I don't want to go do clinical fizz because at the time UWS weren't aligned with ESSA accreditation anymore. So it was like, oh, now you got to go do another two years of masters and you've got to try and prove it. And I was like, oh, I'll go down this strength conditioning route. It sounds kind of cool. You know, like I'll go um, check out what these elite guys are doing that I, I clearly missed the boat on with my mountain biking endeavors. <laughs> and um, so I was lucky enough, you know, he, he definitely helped get my foot in the door. I tried to align myself as much as I could with what the Waratah's expectations were for doing, um, you know, research in the field. So I, I transferred across from doing honours. I was going to be doing honours at UWS. And then I shifted across to CSU, completely changed up the project. And then um, did that for a year, finished up the season. Like that was the season they won. So it was like fantastic to be a part of it. And, you know, getting, getting to see like all the Wallabies and when Shaka was like in his prime and um, just the way they molded the season and, and seeing um, like Dave Dennis when he like suffered like his season ending injury and then sticking around as a captain. It was, it was a good environment to be in, even though I wasn't really doing that much, you know. Experience. Um, yeah, feeling the, mate, it was, um, it was always like Hayden Master was always like, well, you got to do the shitters, you got to do the shitters. So it was like, you know, like that was, that was our job. And we were like all pining, like, oh, who wants to do GW? Who wants to do you know, GPS? I'll do it. Like everyone was just like, yeah, yeah. you know, like me, Scully, Dan Tilly, James Tatum, like, like there was like, like five or six of us there. Fernando, who's now over in Argentina seven. So we were just like pining over that. And then um, from there, I was working at the same time at um, Shaw School in Sydney's North. Um, and ended up staying at Shaw for five years um, in having like some time in the boarding house as well. Yeah. Um, so I got really ingrained into, you know, junior development and, and a good system there that just nailed the basics and um, was fairly young, like in its establishment. So it was like, it was cool to be there as like the upstart, like seeing how like Dave, Dave Tennant, who was running the program, still running the program, how he spoke to the teachers and integrated it and got a part of the PE system and, um, you know, just won over more sports and more sports and they kept on asking and asking as they saw that more people were benefiting from it. Um, and then probably around like three years into there, I was kind of like, cool, like, uh, I've kind of like, would like to scratch that itch again, maybe get involved in some teams, push on my, you know, professional experience and, you know, start to dip my toe in the water again. And um, J train in Sydney's Northern beaches um, was just saying like, Hey, like who wants to come work? And I was like, you know what, going to work in a private facility would be pretty cool. Um, and he had the connections to Manly as well. So I kind of went in there and I was like, I would love to be able to do GPS, run some of the sports science stuff for you. Um, Cause I really enjoyed the Excel part of um, being a strength coach and being a sports scientist, you know, having dipped my like been quite um, quite heavily involved with the GPS. Like I, I enjoyed it when I was at the Waratahs. Um, so I kind of took that, ran, ran that for a year, like the, you know, kind of like was this step in sports scientist for a same professional team and, you know, trying to give them some feedback on the drills that they were doing, um, trying to say like, hey, like we need to get our, some of our high speed meters up, like during mid, mid season, like we're just dripping, dropping off too much, like coming into the finals, we've got to keep them topped up. Um, and just like having a good engaging like wellness questionnaire as well and just like just having an educational presence around for the boys even though they've been in a system like that for a long time. Um, then post that, you know, like it came to the end of the season and, um, you know, like, I, like I'd, I'd started connecting with a few more people after being in, entrenched in the, uh, the private Sydney school system for a while, just kind of staying um, dormant. And then I, um, you know, I, I used to play for Gordon Rugby. Like I played a season there. Uh, I wanted to get a taste of what it was like to play rugby when, when I was the one who was like coaching it and telling boys to like run harder. I was like, cool. Well, I need to actually see what's going on here. How'd you go? And um, I went all right. I, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't get injured during the season. Um, just chipped away, chipped away at fourth. And then as the injuries came in throughout the end of the season, I've got a couple of shots at thirds. So it was fun. Uh, I yeah, that's cool. yeah, loved it. Um, and then... From there, like, because when I was at Gordon, 
um, Carl Goodman from Athletes Authority used to be my strength coach. Um, and he and I always used to chew the fat after, after trainings and stuff like that. Um, him knowing that I was, I was doing strength conditioning as well. And, you know, we kind of got, we kind of got talking like they, they were up for kind of renewing their contracts with Gordon Rugby and they, he, he was looking to step away from that and focus more on the gym um, and wanted to keep that connection. So they were looking to have like a subcontractor come in, embed themselves with Gordon, then hopefully try and help out with the gym as, a little bit as well. And um, so I ended up doing that for one of the seasons, like ran the, ran the, the opens um, along with Tim Rollins running the Colts. And that was good until we kind of hit like a hiccup halfway through the year of um, coaches being like, you know, in-house bickering and whatnot and coaches oh. being dispelled. And um, so they had a, a change up in coaches. And I, I went there because the coach was really good to me and we had a really good relationship and everything was working really well. And then uh, all of a sudden this new coach came in and that didn't gel so well. Um, and I was kind of put on the back bench about what my what my roles with the team were and um, my influence on and I suppose my direction that I was trying to take some of the conditioning games and stuff like that were just put on the real back burner. Um, so I ended up uh, leaving that with, I think about halfway through the season because I was like, oh, I'm not going to sit here and babysit someone. Um, if I can't do the job that I'm supposed to be doing and I, if I can't put my best foot forward, then I'm not going to be here. Yeah. Um, so I ended up leaving that and then... Um, as much as I enjoyed working with the boys and then um, ended up working at Athletes Authority. They kind of said to me like, cool, like if you've got nothing else on your plate, like come and work here. Um, you know, we need to kind of, they're in a, a fairly big transition phase where they're going from being, you know, kind of like a, a athlete focused gym, but with a very much being propped up by powerlifting and the general public to try and make sure that that was, still a, a revenue stream that was viable, but it just didn't have the legs on it yet in order to stand on its own two feet. So how long, how long um, had athletes authority been around when you kind of came in? Well, they'd been, it was all black. So that, that gives you a, a, yeah, a okay. bit of a sense about where they are at in terms of development. So athletes authority started up in Pimble above like a mechanics workshop out yeah. of like a garage. And then, the second edition was then moving down to Artarman, which is just up the road from the school that I was living at. Yeah. Um, and when they moved in there, it was all yellow and gray and black. And then uh, Lockheed just bought in. So probably, I think it'd probably been running for, hope pal doesn't quote me on this, but I, I think it'd been running for around two years, two and yep. a little bit over two years by the time I'd come down, maybe even two and a half. Um, and then I was there for a year and a half and, you know, ended up with, you know, like great things, like a very like open scheme, like entrepreneurial, like we had a big desk up the top and that was sick. We just used to fly around ideas, like front and center, all about this, what about this? And then all the other coaches were just having input. And we're all just trying to make like the best, the best like um, non-athlete, athlete experience possible and, and make sure the guys got the results and make sure they were getting the goals at which they were projecting to us. Um, and that was really, really fun. It must be pretty and cool like, for you to yeah look back on that because from the outside looking in, it looks like you came in at that time when they were kind of really looking to change direction and then you were there through that period where they kind of established themselves as who they are now, sort of, yeah. Yeah, it was like, like yeah, like you, you got to be there, you got to see like the decisions that were being made that added like just the, the impromptu ones, like, you know, I'd... You know, we need to improve the music. All right, we've got to get a new music system. You know, our internet's been chapped out by us, like having too many iPads. All right, we've got to upgrade the, the internet. You know, we've got, um, you know, we've got a, a bottleneck from having too many people in here at this time. What do we do? And just like part of the system development and the operation development from the, from the business perspective, as well as um, obviously like trying to hone my craft as well and, and learning how to manage people and, having disputes with other coaches and having disagreements mm. and um, it, it's interesting. It was, hey, because people think about really like, cool. people think about like, like say like managing a gym and that sort of stuff. They think about it just 
training wise, but then there's all these little logistic things that you end up spending a lot of your time on. Like you talk about like things like yeah. music and working out, yeah. the, working out the Wi-Fi and all these little things that you never even would have thought you'd have to worry about. Yeah, no, it's cool. And that was like a testament to like, you know, Carl went out and bought this, as I said, this big desk and it was just me, um, Jess Hunter and Carl. And we just sit there all day and we'd just be looking over the screens at each other and go, what, what do you reckon of this? That's awesome. And then we just like, just, just chew the fat. And then, you know, there'd be days, days where we just like kind of get sidetracked and then end up at this like new thing that we wanted to head for direction. We're like, that's cool. Let's, let's keep on tracking along there. Um, and then obviously Lockie came on like after his second year at Para and then came in and everything just like jumped up another year um, because he was able to come in and just help out with the operations and take over the management side of the coaches and stuff like that. Cause I was doing, um, you know, very like still very young like in my strength coach and and my ability to run like a program it was you know like i think we had like eight coaches there eight coaches um three years at one point yeah and it was like cool like i remember carl being like you're gonna you're gonna in like you're gonna implement your system and i was like oh man like like full gunning kruger like uh, my system's crap and him being like just do it just get it done. Like we just need something. We can't have like eight coaches all doing the same program and it's not working when we've got a limited amount of space. And I was like, you know, so it was cool. Like it just forced us into a, into a very like fast paced, quick changing like position. And then um, from there, like my missus, the way I ended up in Canberra is my missus was uh, applying. Like she was working as a, like a BDM for a print media company. And then she decided that she wanted to, go down and, and chase postgraduate and, and go to law. Um, so she, I said to her, like, just apply wherever. Um, being a mature age student, going into a Jewish doctorate, I was like, just look, let's just get all our all our cards like on the table and let's just see what happens, see what comes up. Um, and so she applied for a bunch of places and, and ended up getting down in Canberra. And then we, I was kind of like, you know, big decision. Like obviously there was a big pathway like set out for, um, athletes authority like Lockie was like was there he'd been there for like maybe two months before I told him two three months and then I I said to him like I'm moving and then from there they were like what are you doing and I was like oh, I'm you know I'm gonna put out the feelers see if there's any jobs going at AIS or Brumbies or Raiders and like even like uh, as, as you would know like anywhere in like anywhere in Australia, but especially in Canberra, like if you're not in Canberra, they don't know, they don't know about you. But if you're in an institution or if you're in, in the club in Canberra, it's like you're, you're in, and there's not, there's not a lot of guys down here. So everyone knows you, everyone knows of you and everyone, you know, it's pretty easy to make the, join the dots and make the connection. So um, when I was trying to talk to people, like seeing about jobs at those particular places, like going into maybe like a rehab coordinator role or, you know, an assistant SNC or something like that, um, slowly but surely, like my connections were just being going elsewhere. And then all of a sudden I was just kind of like, oh, I'm not going to look in anywhere. And so I was like, we've got six months until we move. And I was like, I've got six months of planning. And I was like, uh, you know, having been at Athletes Authority during, you know, quite a big transition to tumultuous time. Like I was like, uh, hopefully I've learned and, you know, by observing and being involved in that enough that I can make something work for myself, especially if I don't have to do the management side for people just yet um, and just controlling the space a little bit more. So um, kind of had a bit of a calling back to working with kids because, you know, again, like having um, just supposed of working with kids at the school and then working with guys who are on the fringes with athletes authority with, you know, like European handball, like you kind of built more obscure sports that were still participating in international level, they weren't, um, they weren't funded. So, you know, like you, you got to see the guys who were like, they were doing uni, they had girlfriends, they had a part-time job, and then they were trying to do training on top of that. And just looking back at what I was doing when I was at Shaw, it was like, man, you have so much more chance to have an impact on the kids if you can set them in the right direction and you can help them get through periods of difficulty that otherwise you know you, you always turn back at the kids who you went to school with and you're like oh they were a weapon at that at that game and then they just kind of like fell off the radar and you're like what you know like what if they had somewhere 
that was able to help them through those periods of difficulty? What if they had somewhere that where if they were injured, that injury didn't have to end up being a year long injury and then another compounding injury. And then all of a sudden they lost out on their sport. Like, so I was like, you know, I, I could definitely be that linchpin and, and it's certainly like come down here and try and help out as much as I can and just kind of try a private sector way of working just with kids and, and just kind of like have like no, no fluff, no bureaucracy, a part of it, no people over the top of me telling me what I need to do, what I didn't need to do. And I could just get down to just doing training that made the kids better. And I didn't have to worry about appeasing a coach. Um, and that was, that was the biggest draw, you know, obviously that all the decisions were going to be made by me and I was going to have to, to rest on those decisions as well. Um, but that's, that's kind of how we came to it. And, you know, with six months of planning, I just sat down, went to a cafe, like, like every morning from like, I don't know, six till like 10 o'clock before I had to go to AA for, well, access authority for the back end of the day. And I just spent four hours there in the morning every day, just drawing out the plan, drawing out the maps, drawing out the systems, drawing out the testing batteries, you know, going over all the business admin, all the operations procedures. And then when we moved down here, just kind of clicked the button and just went, all right, let's go for it. And then just kind of grown from there. So now we're, we're pretty much full. Like we've always got like undulating, like a couple of people leaving, a couple of people joining, but we're, we're pretty much tapped out. And every time I have someone ring up, I'm like, what times can you do? Because, um, you know, it's difficult to get them in. So that's kind of it, man. Like when Waratah's school, semi-professional, private, owner private. Yeah, that's a that's a cool little journey. There's um a lot to be said for uh, networking, isn't there, and making those connections within the industry and just having people know your name so that when those opportunities come up, there's um you're in their thoughts pretty much, isn't it? Um, yeah. And with your own business, so that's Athlete Origin. For those that don't know, so Seton yeah. runs Athlete Origin in Canberra. Um, so do you want to give, give us just a rundown of what Athlete Origin is, who you train, that all that sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah. So, so we, we are like a, a junior only like strength conditioning service or kind of just strength and performance service because I don't really do much conditioning with kids apart from making them run around the back. Uh, backyard but um so we just work with kids from 10 to 18 and i kind of split them up into three age groups of like my 10s to 12s who are like my kind of learning to train if you will if you want to follow on to the lta sequences um or like prepubescent yep. then i've got my 13s to 15s which are like kind of the guys who have either gone through or going through their peak height velocity or maybe just are at that maturity level they can go up into there if they've already learned how to train properly and then um, like my 16 pluses who are like normally my seniors, like my 10s, 11s, 12s. Um, we pretty much just work with field and court sport athletes. I've had a couple of people slip in. Uh, I got one swimmer. Uh, I had a mountain biker who we now still work with while he's over, he lives over in France now. And then um, just got a, I got a tennis player, but most of the time it's like basketball, AFL, union and league. Um, and that's kind of, I enjoy working with those guys. Um, a couple of cricketers spreading there as well. Um, but that's essentially what we, like who we work with in terms of what we do. Like we just make sure that we're working on like all like the foundational functional stuff of making sure that they're a good athlete. Um, so you're running mechanics, you're jumping mechanics, you change direction mechanics, all your lifting stuff like just teaching kids how to, I think that's the biggest thing, just teaching kids how to train intensely. Mm. Um, and that's not just kids, like that's like just anyone. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like that, that's kind of what we work on. And then we won't run over there running and, um, you know, teach them like, if there's something that I know that they're going to be asked to do when they go to college, I'm just damn sure I'm going to make sure they can do it. You know, so I, um, Olympic lifting and all that like I make sure I cover that base like at the end of the day if they come to me at 10 and they leave here at 17 or 18 if I can't teach them everything that I have learnt in my time in the industry then that's a bit of a downside for me you know if anything they should be moving on from me earlier because they've tapped me out yeah that was that's yeah that's awesome that was gonna be my next question your kind of general approach and philosophy to coaching the junior athletes we've kind of kind of hit that nail on the head right there so your idea is just to kind of lay that foundation and prepare them for the next step, essentially. Yeah. So 
Um, I suppose the kind of the way that I like see junior development and junior sports participation is as long as the kid is available, that's the best training that they can do. Um, And as long as the kid, like I always give them like an analogy of like a Swiss army knife. Like I don't want you to be a rugby player. I want you to be the athlete who's able to do anything that is ever thrown at you in the face of it. And that means you're going to be lifelong physically active as well. But it also means that in a worst case scenario, the thing that you may have done that was off cue that maybe didn't look like a rugby drill was the thing that helped your body be prepared and have the awareness to avoid that issue. Mm. Um, And it's a, you know, everyone always says like, you don't know how many injuries you've avoided, but essentially like for me, it's like, cool. If I can teach them how to run better, how to change direction better, how to hit harder, how to brace, how to tumble, how to roll, how to lift, get stronger, all that should amalgamate into them being a much more resilient, robust junior athlete who's able to avoid situations that would get them in sticky, situ- in sticky predicaments or just ride through something else that someone else would get absolutely crunched by. Um, you know, like, so always talking about pinballing, like in you may not be the biggest guy in league, but I want you to be able to pinball off like defenders um, rather than just like running through the crash tackle, like hit the gap, but pinball. Um, rather than being like, oh, unless you're a big body, you're not going to be successful. So um, for me, that's that's kind of it. Like, just make sure that they're well prepared in every verse. You know, so I get people who come in like, for instance, like my swimmer, who's like, oh, I'm a swimmer, and I'm like, you're 13, and they're like, yeah, I'm a swimmer. It's like you're 13, mm. and it's like, so you're going to do, you're going to do stuff that is swimming focused for a small part of your program, but then for the rest of it. I want to make sure that you can do stuff later in life and those ankle ankle disabilities that you have right now where you, you feel like you're going to fall over if you ever do a jump, we're going to get rid of them because that's not going to be fun when you're 40 and you're trying to run after your kids and you can't do something and you've maybe had a reconstruction on your ankle. Um, you know, or, or ballers being like, I want to jump high. It's like, well, can you get comfortable with the ground? Are you going to break your wrist? If you, if you fall on the ground because you don't know how to land properly or you don't know how to, how to roll into, a, into an egg roll or into a tumble or a side break fall or something like that. So it's, it's always about making sure that I'm looking at the person first and foremost with the genius and then just um, making sure that they're, they have a wide breadth of, of knowledge and physical development. Um, but that's kind of like in a nutshell what I try, try to do. And then, you know, from there, Obviously, I've got my systems in place for how to teach that and constraints-based models and um, rolling through there to make sure that I kind of get a rough package and then I may just have to deviate a little bit to, to accommodate to the individual. Yeah, that's awesome. That uh, It's cool to hear you talk about that kind of, I used to call it like a holistic approach to it all as opposed to just thinking of it all as being sport-specific. It really is that kind of, person first athlete second type model isn't it yeah the um i think the biggest thing and 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 especially the more sports that are skills-based dominant your football your basketball um you know and then the the obvious apparent ones like golf or swimming where they're like well this is the only situation i do it in i don't need to worry about the rest of it or even mountain biking you know like um like you need to make sure that the they're getting complete athlete development and it's not just going, we're only going to focus on this. Cause I, I tell you what, like if a kid like decides that they want to go play soccer and they've been swimming or they've been riding mountain bikes, you want them to have that opportunity. Cause I, I bet there'll be a crossover of that other sport to, to the mountain biking or to the swimming. And, or even if it's not a direct crossover from a physiological standpoint, from a, from a strategy standpoint or from a, from a mental game standpoint or something like that, there'll be some benefit from a kid doing what he wants to do. So you want to make sure that they have everything in their capability to go and do that rather than being like, oh, now we've got to change up all the programming so that way you can go and do that. You know? um, Cause the, the, the more you specialize, the more um, fragile they get without being too cliche with Nassim Taleb, but um, you know, like the more they, they specialize, the more fragile they are. And then when they go home and they play around 
with kids like on the street or they play around their brothers, they're the ones who are going to come back and have a broken wrist. You know, it's not going to be the guys who trained everything and played a number of different sports. So it's um, always making sure that I can help out the parents as well as the kids notice that and then not make streamlines from there anyway. Yeah, you're right. Hey, it's so true because they're kids and yes, they might come in and say I'm a swimmer, but then yeah, he might decide he wants to go and play a year of soccer and you'd hate, kind of like you said, you'd hate for him to then go and break his ankle playing soccer because he's, yeah, because he's not physically ready for that. And also, yeah, yeah, you're right. You build that bigger base. This gives you options going forward. I also kind of see strength training as a life skill too. So if you can teach them those skills and teach them how to hold their own in a gym, how to move, how to load a barbell, how to do all these things, that kind of then stays with them for life as well. Yeah, yeah, most certainly. And it, it all ends up, like as I said at the start, like I want to make sure that if they went to college, like if they went to the top, the pinnacle of where they wanted to go for their sport, knowing roughly where what the expectations are of their strength benchmarks or their power benchmarks or their lifting benchmarks or their fitness benchmarks, whatnot, it, it helps direct them that way. And that way you can go, cool, like, I'm going to make sure you don't look like a fish out of water and that you, you know, going on into hopefully a professional, you know, scholarship or, you know, a gig at like Harold Matz or something like that. Like you can be the guy who helps out the coach to, to provide direction for the younger guys who maybe have never done this, who have got through on their physical capabilities and from their, from their like ball skills or whatever. But you could be the person who stands up and is like going on to be a captain or a vice captain or help direct a session. And then that way, that's another, that's another bit to your resume that can help you stay in a system for longer. Because if you can stay in a system for longer as a junior kid and be put in front of the right people as a junior kid, then chances of you making it is far greater than you just being the guys getting dragged along by the others. So um, just kind of, yeah, all around making sure they're good kids making sure they're working hard, making sure they understand what working hard means, making sure they understand how to work hard and um, just giving them the right tools and, and capabilities to actually execute on what they what they want to be doing. Yeah, it's cool. That, uh, yeah, your overall approach to that is so awesome. The way you talk about kind of, yeah, looking to develop them as people, not just as athletes. And it's about so much more than just the physical. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, now, then what I want to go into, just to kind of finish off, is a few myths around uh, strength training and um, young children, junior athletes. So the most obvious one that gets thrown around is the strength training stunts growth thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I have... Yeah, sorry, you go. Uh, I, I think I, like, from all the stuff I've read into it, and um, believe me, I've taken it a fair bit on face value as well, like, um, like there's, there are papers out there that are like, it doesn't, it doesn't do this and it doesn't do that. It, it's a, it's a hard thing to prove that it's not. And I, I don't think that anyone is ever going to have like a set of twins and then give one twin like a lifting regime from like four years old and then not give you, and then be able to control it. You, you can't prove it. Yeah. But what you can prove is that from from limb asymmetries that come along from breakages and stuff like that they're they're always from acute stresses you know they're always from compression fractures or something like that that has damaged the growth plate from there um i think uh, i sat down to try and write a blog about this uh, like a couple of months ago and then i got sidetracked but um the i think it makes sense because i've got i've got these young kids in here right who are prepubescent and you know, they're, they're 12 or 13 years old and they've got big aspirations to go on and, and you know, make NRL or, or play for Brumbies or whatnot. And, um, you know, they've been training with me for probably a good, like, 11 months, close to a year. And then it was just the two of them. The two of them are in here on a Saturday morning and we were just chatting back and forth as they were going through, like, their little, like, um, assault course that we do. Um, for the younger age groups and they like kind of stopped halfway and they're like, yeah, my auntie said that this stumps our growth. And I, it, it kind of dawned on me and I was like, well, that's really your auntie to say, but not, not really like that's what they've grown up with. But then at the same time, I, this light bulb went off and I was like, hang on, you guys haven't gone through puberty yet. 
you haven't gone through your peak height velocity, you know when that's going to happen because we've done the measurements before, we've given you a rough estimate based on that. And yet you kids are still coming here, loving it and wanting to come in again, even if there is a chance that you're not going to get as tall as what you think you're going to. And it kind of just struck me and I was like, you know, obviously everything that we have that's evidence-based says that it, it, it doesn't. And, it, and it's more the, from the acute, as I said, from like the compression fractures or whatnot, from a severe acute traumatic injury that are the things that are going to impact your limb length, but they're not going to impact your overall height. And um, it just kind of dawned on me. I was like, these kids like don't even care, even if it did, because they're doing it well and they're doing it like instructed properly and they're enjoying it but at the same time it's you know like i was trying to trying to find common ground with parents and like trying to establish and it's like if you have someone test in the morning and then you have someone for so their height and you have someone test in the evening obviously they're discompressed over the day with the fluid loss and whatnot and everything just pushing around and as the day gravity wears on them and they get a little bit shorter so normally they're around you know, a centimetre to two centimetres shorter by the end of the day. Mm. And from a parent's thought and from a completely process-orientated and correlation standpoint, if you get shorter on the day because you stand up, if you add weight to that, then surely that would mean that they're going to compress even more. And it's like you can understand how parents and how that myth has stuck around because it's, it's so annoyingly logical but illogical at the same time. Mm that it's just like you know aunties pass it on uncles pass it on grandparents pass it on and then it just stays around for so much longer than what it needs to um and i think like having conversations like this and um put trying to for me trying to write our blog post and i know there's lots of people who write about it as well um it's probably the only way that the education is going to come around and it's like hey there's no evidence to suggest otherwise and i doubt you're ever going to find evidence because no one's ever going to have ethical approval to try and perform this this test to see whether it is a thing. Um, I think like even when I was trying to, again, trying to find common ground with it, you know, watching other people's explanations and them saying like, you know, like people who are naturally have shorter limbs and who have shorter status gravitate towards that because they're good at it, because their lever lengths are, better, are more primed for it, because they needed self-confidence in order to get that, you know, get that self um, self approval back. If they were the shorter kid at school, they'll go and they'll go to the weights or the kid who maybe grew early on in their life, who didn't reach six foot six, went and started in the gym because he could at a younger age, but he wasn't ever going to grow any taller than that. It, it's a, it's a correlation versus cause. Like it's not, Hey, the kid went to the gym because he was needed to, because he could and because he was fully grown and because he had hormones running around. And then he didn't grow anymore because he was already grown before Tommy went there. Not the kid went there and then he stopped growing. He was already yeah. done. So I, I think in a nutshell, like knowing that breaks acutely impact on limb length, but that doesn't impact on overall length is just the biggest like kind of asterisk next to, next to make sure that your kid is strong so that way they don't get breaks. Mm. And the way you only do that is by challenging up the bone tissues and the ligament tissues and the, and the, and the tendon tissues and all your soft tissues and um, making sure that they are strong, that they don't ever come across those acute injuries that will impact on the so-called like stunting of your growth. Um, I hope that like wasn't too much of a ramble on. No, no, that was good. Is it something that um, comes up a lot with parents? Funnily enough, it's only after they've signed up. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so it's not something they asked me like before. It's something like, you know, uh, maybe like three months after they come, they see their kid lifting weight. Doesn't that, doesn't that stop their growth? And it's like, why are you sending them here if you've got that opinion? Yeah. yeah. Um, it's just funny. It's funny. Um, I, and, and, you know, like for me dealing with kids, like this is pretty new. Like uh, I don't know many other places that have just, specialized in Australia that is in just kids without like and, and pushing away adults and saying like no like I, I've sent you people I've sent um, other people in in Canberra being like hey can you can you take on this guy's been referred to me from Sydney they moved down here can you see if you can help them out 
Um, whereas I could easily just go, come on in, like I need money. Um, so I think for me, like I'm, yeah, I'm lucky that I've got these parents. I'm lucky that I've got these parents who are clearly like willing to, to take a, take a risk with it, who are happy to, to be the first ones to, to go out there or they've, they're well read enough or they've followed people like Nathan Parham from like a sporting parent or they follow other gyms that train kids and they've already been educated. Um, but I, I think in saying that, like, yeah, I, I, the parents who come here normally don't have those questions. They already understand the benefits. Mm. It's the parents who don't come here and who don't want to talk about it and who just go, I'm just going to send my kid to play sport because all they need is sport. And it's like, well, your kid's probably going to get injured. And, you know, like if they play contact sports, like inevitable, they're going to get injured. Like if they run, like if I meet a kid now who's like 14 who's played league since he's like eight, I'm like, you're either a beast or you've been sitting on the wing and you've been very lucky. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, um, yeah, not a, not a lot of questions about the height, but it's, it's the people who I don't get to see or the people who, who don't send their kids or don't train themselves or, yeah, just doing the madhouse, running around logistics on a Saturday yeah. and then just being like, maybe I don't need to play that much sport. I can, you know, I can be doing other things to, to benefit my kids. Yeah, true. Uh, it's interesting too because I spent some time over in the US and their approach to all this is kind of very different to ours. They start uh, young athletes in the gym or they start athletes in the gym at a much younger age than we tend to because uh, yeah. it's common. What I've learned over there was it was common for them to start uh, kids in the gym at sort of 11, 12 and go from there. If they um, And they tend to do it through their school systems as well. So I yeah. think we're, we're definitely kind of a little bit behind the eight ball on that one. And it's interesting yeah. for someone like you trying to break into that, trying to break into that. It's almost like a new frontier. I think like there's definitely, like when I first came down here, it's only been a year and already in the year, there's already been a, a significant amount of establishment with um, string conditioning services inbuilt into colleges and schools and um, sporting bodies for the most part as well. Um, but it's certainly going on. And I think that's just um, from the sheer amount of coaches that are being coming out from the universities and just going like, well, I don't, I, there's no jobs to go to. So they, they, there's all these jobs being made and people doing them to gain experience. And, and so there's a lot of stepping stone jobs that are now coming out that, that aren't necessarily the top of the pole, but people are going like, Hey, I still get to work. I still get to influence young kids. And if they're, if they're junior athletes and that, that's good enough for me. Um, so I think like, there's, yeah, there's definitely like an improvement occurred over the last, last year. Um, and there's still, you know, I, I always think about this, like, is my job going to be null and void in the next five years or in the next 10 years? Like, is anyone going to want a private service? And given that I was working at a private school, um, which had a bottomless cash, like a sense, like if anyone outside looking in would just think like there's just a never ending pile of money coming out of this school and they could just spend whatever they wanted on it. And knowing coming from that system and just going like, cool, I, I could add on top of that. And there's benefits of having smaller groups. It's like hundred percent private system for, for youth development is still going to be there. And I always explain that to parents, like there's a reason why both of, you know, there's a reason why there's a service for your, your um, state based sport development squad. And there's a reason why, you know, and then there's another reason why there's someone who you have to go and pay to see. And it's because normally you're paying to see the person who is going to provide that more individual care for your kid. And there's going to be that service that, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to look after him in a holistic approach and I'm going to, not cut him because he hasn't performed for the last four games and I'm going to understand the maturation process and I'm going to keep on pushing this kid because I believe that if I keep on working with him and we set him up in the right direction and that they are motivated in the right correct way and it's not out of fear then they may be a late bloomer and I'm okay to, to hold on to that kind of like a bit of a romantic like that like it, I believe like most kids 
if they're not gifted by the age of 12, that's fine. Mm. You can, if you, if you do your job right and you plant the seeds correctly, there's no reason why that kid who's 16 and hasn't grown yet can't turn around at the age of 18 once he has and fully developed and go, you know what, I, I want to give this a crack at, at trying something else and take a, a road less traveled by. But, you know, I think you've got to, you've got to work with the kids who are the ones who are the special produce. They're the ones who normally get picked up by the, uh, by the uh, sporting body or by the school. And they're like, kind of just cover them. They're like, no, this is ours. We're going to hold on to this person because they're going to make sure that our system is seen to be the, uh, the best. So it's a, it's, it's a tough situation, um, but it's an exciting situation. And I think like together, like private and, and school systems are going to be, and, and academies for sports are going to be fantastic for the development of youth sport. And, you know, like since like the AIS kind of decentralized and are now like subcontracting like well, the ACTAS and the N-Swiss and they've kind of taken back over some of the sports. Mm. Um, there's certainly a place now for private sector youth development, at least for like the next 10 years. And then we'll see, see where, as long as we keep on developing, then um, I'm sure we'll still have a job. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see where even the influence of a, um, small business like yours in terms of the impact you have on obviously all the kids you're training now, because now they're going to grow up with a positive relationship with um, strength training and then they're going to pass that on. And then all the kids they talk to are going to kind of know a little bit more about it and all the parents and just the flow and effect of that. And it just kind of, hopefully yeah. it just keeps spreading like wildfire. Yeah. As a, again, like with the, with the amount of graduates that are coming out of sports science and fizz and ex fizz right now, like that, it's inevitable that like the whole population will be, you know, by the time they finish year 12, will have a sports science degree equivalent knowledge of training. Yeah. True. Like it's, it's like, yeah, like no doubt, like the kids like know about, you know, in PE, they get taught stuff that I was like, what? Like top two fibers. What, when did that happen? Yeah. Um, so, you know, like you can have conversations with the kids and they, they get it, they grasp it. And so it's only, yeah, it's only just going to keep on going. So um, not really sure where I was going to head off for that, but I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. What are your um What are your plans with Athlete Origin going forwards? Um. So, Jazz, my partner and I, like, where we want to eventually, like, probably in the next four five years, like, move up to Newey and and hopefully raise a family up at up at by the beach. That would be end goal. Yeah, nice. Um, with her going, with her going into law, I, I feel far more optimistic about that than just surviving on the, on the one wage. Um, but in terms of this, like we're, you know, eighteen months into it now, about that, like give or take a couple of months, um, and I'm just kind of chipping away at my processes and making sure my systems are, are in place and rock steady and are kind of um, solidified before. I look to go to, to a bigger place. Um, so hopefully next year, um, we'll be looking to, to make a bigger space, um, hopefully hire or have, have some sort of senior-ish coach come on and, and help me keep on developing that while we're getting like an internship program or a mentorship program, whatever you want to call it, um, up and running apprenticeship program. Um, and then, you know, I, I like the idea of having small agile places of business I, I think like as soon as you're um under the influence of your rent being your biggest control factor about what prices you have to charge i think like sometimes the the quality of the product that you're presenting is now no longer about that it's about getting enough people in the door um, and that's not a pressure that i want to have with my business so you know i've always like kind of um, flirted with quick, the idea of having just gone. quickly too for those that don't know you run athlete origin out of your essentially out of your garage don't you yeah yeah so we've got like a 100 square meter converted like four car garage um that we just have like five six kids in here at a time and i, I love that it's good i can keep an eye on five or six kids um i can give them as much contact as possible i can give them as much coaching as i need to without being overbearing because kids hate that. Like you, you find out pretty quick after spending, you know, 30 hours with a kid that 
unless you're playing the same games of them when they're 10, like you, you do kind of run out of stuff. So it's, it's good not to be overbearing and give them some autonomy and make sure that they feel like they're controlling the training. Um, and as you were saying there, yeah, you are saying not yeah. having to play rent, yeah, makes it, you can say. Yeah, well, just, just making sure, like, as I said, flirting with the idea of keeping everything small and agile. So, you know, like, I, I wouldn't want to go in the foreseeable future much bigger than, you know, like your normal size gym. Like, I don't want to turn this into, like, the factory of junior athletes coming out of Canberra or wherever we set up next. Um, I like the idea of having, like, a small, intimate space that feels homey, and literally like out of the garage gym and friendly um, and somewhere that the parents know that they can trust the environment they're in and they're not going to be exposed to, you know, like if you go to a commercial gym, what, what are they going to do? Are they going to jump on, jump on some machines that they're not supposed to? Are they going to try and put too much weight on there? Is the person who's more managing actually competent? Are they looking out? Are they busy? Are they going to the toilet? And so it's, it's nice having that small space where you can, control it as much as you need to and then give as much freedom as you can as much as you want to so um that that's kind of what i like about the business model right now you know like i, I want to go a little bit bigger because i want to be able to help more kids because there's people right now who i'm saying sorry i can't fit you in yeah um and I, and I know that there's enough um scope and expansion here to allow for other people to have work in this field and to learn and to go and prosper it's awesome um but then, yeah, I'd like to be able to open up one in Newcastle and maybe another one like somewhere else. Um, but I'm just enjoying it right now. I think like just kind of had to have a few deep breaths like in the first year of us starting up. And now it's kind of like, cool, like carve out the path. You've done some good hard work. Buckle up and let's keep on trying to expand again and, and make sure you don't make too many stuff ups in the meantime. Nah, that's awesome. Uh, from the outside looking in, it looks like you're doing an... Um an awesome job, especially considering obviously it's your first time kind of running your own business and you're in a market that's relatively kind of niche and new, I guess you could say. So yeah, it'd be interesting to follow your journey and see where it all goes from here. Thanks, Ben. I'll try and be a bit more uh, active on social media. You can always tell if I'm busy, the post stop. If I'm, uh, if I've got a little bit of time and I'm feeling on top of everything, then I'll start the, uh, the, the uh, Instagram up and get posting on there a little bit. So hopefully good, I can get a little bit more on there. That's a good point too. So for anyone listening, jump on Instagram and follow. It's just Athlete Origin, isn't it? Yeah, I try to make it as clean as possible. I Hopefully I didn't have any dots or anything like that in there. If you just type it in, should be the first one that pops up. Awesome, man. Well, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you uh, so much for giving up some of your time and having a chat today. Thanks so much, Ben. Cheers for having me, man.